Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to call in, uh, the first two segments in the first segment of the next hour is the time to do it. We plan on talking to Gerald Broussard about 9.35 to discuss tonight's game at Cajun Field between Georgia Southern and the Cajuns. And it's um totally different matchup than the Cajuns have had all season long. Uh, totally different kind of a football team, totally different kind of a matchup than any game they played all year. So very unique, and I think about the worst time to be playing this. Uh, so I, again, one of the things that I say fairly often, I haven't said a lot lately, it's not who you play so much as when you play them. I think this is the worst time to be playing Georgia Southern on a short week, you know, just because uh, I, I think it's easier to prepare for a, you know, really good passing team with more time. And I think it's harder to be, to play extra physical on a short week. Uh, you know, for the Cajuns to win this game, I think you need to probably, you know, win the turnover battle for sure, which forcing turnovers hadn't been a problem. But it's um you need you need to be able to control the line of scrimmage. You need to be able to run the football and be really physical, uh, control the time of possession, keep Georgia Southern's offense off the field, all of that. But it's harder to that 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 means being that means dominating the line of scrimmage, that means running the football with and, and being extra physical. And again, I think it's harder to be physical. I think it's still football, but when you play on a Thursday, I think it's it's more of a half a half a step to to seven on seven. It's harder to be physical, and so I think it's just bad timing to be playing this team for the cage. I mean, they, they, this is not the team. You know, you'd be better off playing Troy on a Thursday maybe and or playing someone and, and, and playing this game on a Saturday. It just didn't work out that way. You don't make the schedule. It happens. It, it is what it is. But uh, not not a good situation there. And then we'll be talking with Luke Johnson at 10.15. And uh, so many ways to – so many things to discuss. I – um. I'm trying to not think about them too much, trying not to dwell on them too much. I'm trying to enjoy the Astros World Series title as much as possible. But, um, you know, from the cheating NFL to to just, you know, everything that 
has going wrong with the Saints this year. It's, it's, they're making it a challenge, let's put it that way. Got high school football tonight. St. Martinville is playing at home tonight. So we will, um, you know, kind of monitor that, that they are uh, playing DeRitter, the DeRitter Dragons. And so there will be uh, any, any comments you have on high school football, certainly feel free to call. Uh, got the news came out this morning that Justin Verlander is opting out of his contract. You know, we'll just kind of put that on the shelf and keep that in the back of your mind. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I think he really likes it in Houston, and I think they like him being in Houston. It's just, let, let's say that Justin Verlander comes back. You're talking about, and Hunter Brown is what we think he is. At that point, depending if you make any trades, I mean, at that point, you might have as many as seven to eight starting pitchers. So when it might be the deepest rotation in the history of baseball. So can you really afford, is it really wise? And look, you might regret it. I'm not saying it's a lock. I'm not saying this is an easy decision. It's just a question. Like, can you really afford, if you have six or seven other viable starting pitching options, can you really afford to get – I don't know what Verlander can get on the open market. Like, if someone's going to give him three years, like, you know, $110, 120000000 million, 35 to $40 him, he's making 30 a million the last two years with, from the Astros. So, I mean, if somebody can give him 35 to $40 to $40 over three years, can you really do that to a guy who's about to be 40? I, I just – when you already have a lot of pitching. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if you can, I mean, as much as you'd like to have him, I don't know if you could do that. Now, if he's willing to come here and, and get a, um, you know, he seems like the kind of guy would bet on himself. You know, I don't, two-year, but he may not take like a two-year with a club option, you know, at 30-something million a year. I, I don't know if you do that. So we'll just wait and see. I, you know, if Justin, I didn't even think, I thought Justin Verlander was done as a member of the Astros, you know, the last time he, before. I didn't expect him to be on the team this year. And then, boom, he's on the team and he's going to win the Cy Young, everybody says. And the team won the world championship. So it's just, it's, um, we'll just wait and see. You got to be careful. You know, the free agent news, you know, the World Series happened less than a week ago finished less than a week ago, and, and they don't waste any time. I mean, the free agent talk started the very next day. You know, they're meeting, and it's, um, if you believe, like Jim Crane said, they're going to try to move quickly, and they're going to, he would like to re-sign Verlander, and he would like to add a bat or two, is what he said. Now, does, are they going to ditch on Yuli? He's old. Are they going to ditch on Candy? He's not as old, but still fairly old and beat up, and he is what he is. I mean, he's the leader of the team. and You know, we can say they don't hit, but let's face it. 
Candy and Yuli got on base as much as just about anybody else other than maybe Pena. Bregman had a good postseason. Candy can't hit a lick, but he got on base a whole lot in the playoffs. And, you know, unless something really weird happens, that's really all that matters. Really. I mean, they've been pretty good at qualifying for the postseason. It's whether they can hit and get on base once they get there. And those guys did it. So, you know, obviously that guarantees you nothing in the future. And with Dusty coming back, you know Dusty. He's going he's gonna to lean on, you know, when everyone was ready to ditch on Candy and Yuli, Dusty was not. And they won it all. So can you really? On paper, it might not look like the right strategy to have used, but it's hard to argue with it because they're the champions. So it's um, hmm, some interesting decisions, and we'll wait and see. But again, it's a hammock season. Hammock season. So you just... Uh, you know, you got to just, at this point, even though you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, I don't really think that Click and Dusty and and Jim Crane hate one another. I don't think it's that. I just think they have different philosophies on some things. And so they're not always on the same page. And maybe that's good. I mean, you know, you want some sort of checks and balances, I guess, to a certain extent. Um you don't want just a bunch of yes men, I guess. Uh, I don't, you know, this it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as you can handle it. And um, so, well, wait. At some point, and I think we're at the point where you just have to trust them. I mean, they've made a lot of good decisions. You know, I'm sure there were a lot of upset Astro fans when they got rid of Springer. It's kind of worked. They haven't really replaced him, but the team won. You know, I'm sure there were a lot of people upset that they didn't that they got rid of Correa. They replaced him. I mean, it's just, you know, how do you argue with what they're what they've done? You really can't. And so I'm not gonna get really upset because even if it's not necessarily a decision that I would make if they asked me. All these decisions, I certainly understand them, and they seem to find a way to make it work. They lose people every year, really good players every year, and they just keep on winning. Remember, they, they went to the World Series last year without Verlander, not this past season, the year before, without Verlander. And, and you know, they, they faced a hot Braves team, but they also faced that hot Braves team with um with their ace McCullers getting hurt in the ALDS and no and no Verlander all year, so they they didn't have the pitching depth then that they have now. Now, you know Christian Javier and Framber Valdez existed then, but they did they weren't the pitchers they are now. So it's um, I mean Christian Javier he might be their best pitcher moving forward. Who knows? He might be. It's scary. So very interesting to see what the Astros are going to do. We'll just kind of wait and see. All right. We'll take a timeout. Uh, again, more in the next segment. There will be 
time for if you want to comment on baseball, football, Cajuns, LSU, uh, from our conversation with Koki yesterday or the NFL, the Saints, any of that, high school football playoffs, certainly feel free to do that. And then again at 935, we'll preview the Cajun game with our friend Gerald uh, for tonight's game on ESPN2. Originally it was on ESPNU, but it was moved to ESPN2 uh, tonight's game at Cajun Field. We'll be back on the game at the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Once again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 if you would like to get in. Feel free to call about any of the many subjects going on right now. And again, uh, in the next segment, we'll be talking Cajun football, Saints in the second hour. Um. We will not, the guru has got to be out of town, and so we will not talk fantasy football specifically like we do each week. But if uh, if you have any fantasy football questions or just comments, uh, certainly feel free to do that when, uh, in the segments that we're not doing interviews. And, of course, those of us, like myself, that have Josh Allen as their starting quarterback – yeah, from a fantasy perspective, kind of in panic mode this week. Because, um, you know, they're being relatively coy about it. But, I mean, if you're the Bills, can you really afford to play with fire here? Like, I mean, you, you are you really going to play your franchise player injured? I mean, I, I mean... I guess to no one once the season starts, especially when you do as much as he does, you're never really totally healthy. But you, you can't afford to take a chance to lose him long term. I mean, even if you have to travel in the playoffs, you still want him as healthy as possible. I understand you want home field advantage, and obviously you do, but. I, I I don't I don't think it's worth you know I'd rather be on the road with Josh Allen than be at home for the playoffs with Case with Case Keenum is what I'm saying. And I don't mean I don't think Case Keenum is like the worst backup quarterback in the league or anything, but when you're a whole like there are quarterbacks and then there are Josh Allen. I mean the whole everything they do revolves around him on offense. They don't even really have a running game other than him. I mean. They have running backs, but they don't really have a running game. Uh, you know, um, it's I, I just don't think they can take a chance. And again, I I'm one. I got him on my fantasy team. I'm off to a good start. Eight and one should be nine and zero oh if I listen to Herm Edwards. But 
you got you got to sit him. I mean, I, I just unless somehow uh, a doctor tells you the old he, it can't get any worse. It's a matter of dealing with the pain, but more I don't know that. I I, I don't I don't see how they can play him this week, and it's um it it you know it's not good for the league I guess you'd say, but might be good for teams like the Dolphins and the Jets and other teams in the AFC. My Patriots too might be good for all of them. How about that division? What a surprise. What a surprise. Pleasure cruise isn't there anymore and the AF the AFC East is deep. <laughs> no, he's not the loat. I saw someone had a um A little thing the other day. Luckiest athlete ever. The Patriots are five and four in last place. The Yucks are four and five in first place. I mean, what you talk, we're talking about pleasure cruise. That guy's entire career has been a pleasure cruise. Unbelievable. It just continues to happen. Of course, all of that is because. The Saints can't play any defense. Just all of a sudden, you know, can you play? No, we don't, we're just not going to play defense this season. But but you have mostly the same. No, it doesn't matter. We're not going to play defense this season. We're just going to run around, you know, like we're in some sort of Chinese fire drill or something, whatever that is. I mean, it's just awful. Just awful. So it's just anger. I mean, you know, anger towards the NFL, anger towards the Saint, the defense, anger towards the annual report, just nothing but anger, bitterness, anger. That's what the Saints situation is right now. All right, again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Um, we have not – um. Talked a great deal because of the World Series and um, because of, you know, college football, LSU and the Saints. We haven't talked a great deal about the NFL the last few weeks outside of the Saints. But, there, you know, the NFL, I think it's, it's about as crazy a season as we've ever had. Tonight's game, by the way, or the Arnolds and the Falcons. So, if you're a Saints fan, who are you pulling for? You got to pull for the Arnolds, right? Because it seems like Atlanta is the better team. It seems like Atlanta's more capable of winning games down the stretch if the Saints ever decide to to play, you know, get on a two- or three-game winning streak if they ever decide to do that or or they have enough healthy bodies and, you know, they decide to play defense, they decide to give the ball to Batman a couple more than twice a game and the NFL decides to stop cheating them. Um, If, you know, any good combination of all those things happen and they they get two or three uh, wins in a row, you got to just, you know, play it out. So if you're a... 
a Saints fan, you got to pull for the Ornals tonight, I would think. And obviously, you got to pull for on Sunday morning, Seattle. Like, who would have thought Seattle would be doing what they're doing? And fortunately, the NFL, the officials cheated for the Saints when they played Seattle and they actually got a win over the Seahawks. Not that they're going to win any, um, not that they're going to win any, you know, tiebreakers with them. Um, but just to, for them to maybe get add another loss to, to the Yucks. So we'll see how, how that plays out. Uh, and overall, I, I don't think it's a great week in the NFL. I mean, when you're talking about when you're talking about uh the Cowboys and the Packers being the big game. The Cheaters and the Chargers. Eh, it's not a really it's not a good week or the NFL schedule, but interesting scenarios. I think the Browns and the Dolphins are another one of the more interesting games this week. Kind of a eh, schedule, but still the games are going to be meaningless. Of course, the Vikings and the uh and the Bills could be, but I don't think Josh Allen's gonna play. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. Good morning. I'm laughing at you talking about Tom Brady. If there was ever a uh, person that you could say sold his soul to the devil in life, he would be the guy that you'd say, you know what? I mean, look at, look at, you, you're talking about him having the, all the cards. You, you're not even bringing his personal life into play. Well, divorce is you not know? that much fun. No, I get that, but I mean, you're married to Giselle, dude. Your girlfriend is Bridget Moynihan. It's it's like if if uh, I'm trying to think of the word you were saying, and, and it's like you're summing up to, and he's got a chance to make the playoffs again on a terrible team. It's like, have you? How many players in the NFL? The, the, what was the old adage? You never lose your job due to injury, right? And this is the one cat that got the job because the guy in front of him got injured. And, look, I'm not saying they were wrong. And I'm not saying the guy ain't really, really, really good. But on 31 other teams, if he got injured, Bledsoe would have been the starting quarterback as soon as he got healthy again. And he was on the, he had the one coach that doesn't play by them rules. I'm going to win with whoever's taking me to the dance. And Belichick recognized it, and the rest is history. I get all that. But the whole thing is, it's just like, and it's frustrating because us average guys are like, it just ain't fair. I mean, it's like, how many have rolled out in front of you? And I'm not discounting his talent and his abilities. The man is the greatest of all time. I'm recognizing that. But that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean you haven't just the, – the deck has been so stacked in if his If he favor, played for his whole career with the is, Chicago yeah. Bears, we would not be thinking he was the greatest of all time. <laughs> like I said, he'd still be a backup if, if anybody else was his coach. Uh, it, it, but, again, you're, you're talking just football. I'm like his whole personal life. I mean, it's yeah. – oh, it, it, us, us fat average guys, it, it just – all we can do is look and shake our heads and say, what if, you know. But, just want to um, tackle. Yeah. Just want to tackle someone. Here's the crazy part, Kevin. If we win this weekend, 
But how are they going to win this weekend? Seriously, the NFL has cheated again. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I just – I don't see any – I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I have those thoughts in my head too, but I, I don't see how they're going to win Sunday. It's, well, it's, it's, it's crazy the fact that right now we'd normally be saying, let's look to next year. And unfortunately, we're in a spot where it's like we can still we can be tied for first in this division come Sunday. That's that's mind blowing to me. And the NFC South used to be arguably the best division in football. And how yeah, quickly all of that all of that is cyclical. And it, it, it's just, I mean, again, if they if they had a if it, if the NFL was fair, then. You know, they might have a, a fighting chance, and I'm not saying it's impossible they can win because historically they kind of own the Steelers, actually. But, uh, but no, it's just complete cheating on the NFL's part this week. And so I, I – I, and are they going to is any, – is anybody going to play this weekend? That's – I mean, that's what's killing me. I mean, is anybody even going to play? We've we've been on this injury tear for what three years now, where it's like, it's and, and we were saying in August this is the deepest team we've ever had, and all the depth's gone now. It's again, and I think actually lost on a different subject, lost in all this baloney this year is how good a season Ruiz has actually been having. I think he's the most improved player on the Saints roster, other than possibly Werner, who I always thought was good. But Ruiz was looking like a bust, and I think he's played really, really, really good this year. Well, excuse me. He's played really well this year, and the fact that he can slide over to center when we lose one of our best offensive linemen is just a plus. And, yeah, who are we going to put on the field? I mean, how, how, how does your cornerback – I get it when your knees and your ankles get – how do you mess your abdomen up at cornerback? Uh, I, I just, mean, is he, I don't he's understand. dealing with abdomen issues. I'm like, are you serious? God, dude, and uh, I, we're tied for first. I'm telling you right now, come Monday, we are tied for first place in the NFC South. That's my prediction because I think Atlanta's going to lose tonight to Carolina. Yeah, but how are and the I Saints going to beat the Steelers? They don't have any players. The Steelers are totally rested. I, Saints are coming off Monday night. I mean, how is that going to happen? I think we can throw on them, Kevin, and the Steelers. Throw on them with who? Is more inept than ours. Who's going to play quarterback? I think, we're a better, I think we're a better team, and I think we're going to be able to move the ball on them. And uh, I, I just think, and maybe I'm the eternal wait till next or who that fan, and don't want to wait till next year. I just think we're going to beat Pittsburgh because it's a game technically you're supposed to lose. But look, we are favored. The Vegas odds we're a one. But and yeah, a half, but they they not factor in. Um... Look, the Steelers are not a good football team, but they have a huge advantage in being in, in preparation for this game. Oh, no argument. But sometimes, if you're that bad, no matter how much time you got to prep, I mean, that's like saying I got three weeks off and I'm playing Alabama. I got the advantage. No, you don't. And and as, with all our warts, bro, the Saints are a better team than Pittsburgh right now. And I just think we're going to go up there and win. Like you said, we can't. That's there's. There's only a few teams the Saints seem to have their number, and I think Pittsburgh falls into that category. So, uh, and I think Seattle's going to beat Tampa Bay. Tampa should have lost last week. It's, it, it, oh man, that, that I'm telling it's you, it's just Brady again the frustration the is just so. 
A man's I, sold uh, his soul to the devil, and the devil's having a ball because he's saying, you have fun, Tom, because when it's all over, you're mine. And Tom's like, well, I'm going to stay down here and do as much crazy good stuff for me as I can because uh, uh, how many more red carpets can you roll out? Uh, he's going to end up marrying a 23-year-old supermodel now. It's while he's hoisting the Super Bowl trophy after making the playoffs. I ain't worried about all that. I just want I just want to tackle someone. That's all I want to do. <laughs> Just tackle someone. Uh, I can't wait to see the injury report because you're right, man. We lost some good players oh, uh, it's just, Monday it's, night. It's just ridiculous. And on a short week, you don't have that extra day to recover. So, you, I, look, I agree. I think Pittsburgh's got the advantage. I just – I really think we're going to win this weekend, if for nothing else, because it's normal for Saints fans to agonize because they're going to give us this glimmer of hope. And it's it's just like the games they play. They they come back just close enough to make you think you got a shot to win, and then they blow it on the last drive of the la- of the game. And I think the season could be a larger scale of that, where they're going to linger around just enough to make us think we really have a shot, and then pull the rug out from us. You know, week sixteen and seventeen or eighteen. It just it's typical. Look, it's the Saints. I mean, I don't need to tell you about our history and the agony that they put us through, but. We will be tied for first come Monday. I hope you recorded this. Well, I hope you're not. right. I, I hope you're right. We will see. All right, I got to go. Thanks, Joey. God bless, bro. Have a great day and happy birthday, Hannah. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back. Talk Cajun football with Gerald Broussard next on the game. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind everyone, Thursday night football tonight. The Benedict Arnolds, as we call them on this show, the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. Most of the country not going to be too high on that game. But as a Saints fan, if you're still holding out hope, like Joey and I were just talking about, I think you got to be pulling for the Arnolds so you can hear all that action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. All right. Also tonight, Cajuns, Georgia Southern, and we have with us Gerald Broussard. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I don't know how, as a Saints fan, you pull for anybody. Well, you're not really. It's not like you're pulling for them because you like them. You hate both of them. But one of them theoretically can help you a little bit maybe down the road. Kev, I'm I'm, I'm going to say something. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Saints, Saints aren't good now. Well, I never said anybody was good. Seattle wasn't good in uh, 2010, but they beat the Saints. Yeah, but this ain't 10. Anyway. All right. So, tonight's matchup is, from an analysis standpoint and a game handicapping standpoint, very unique, very fascinating, really, in a lot of ways. We've talked all year long about the Cajuns playing these teams, not all that good passing games, run the ball pretty well, play really good defense. Well, this team's the exact opposite. Um, they, they throw the ball over the field, one of the most – explosive passing offenses and they don't play much defense. So I, I don't I don't know even know what to think of this matchup. Who'd have 
thought that that the Sun Belt would have to go to Buffalo to get a quarterback. <laughs> and, and, and that's what they, you know. Think about it. We're not talking about the Bills now. Yeah. We're talking about the Bulls. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Van Trees comes over after having. I mean, he had a full career at Buffalo. He's six year guy. Um, and, and and is throwing it all over the yard. Offense coordinator comes from from Western Kentucky. Had been at SC before with the head coach, but he's he's brings that 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 spread throw game to it. And and you know Georgia Southern. You think about I think about Georgia Southern as an option football team and and running the football. And and Kev, their offensive line has done a really good job of protecting him. I mean, they don't give up much sack, many sacks. And then, look, the scheme has a lot to do with it, too. But they've taken to becoming pass protectors really quick. They're athletic. They do a good job. but they, And they can run the football. Uh, that, I think, goes hidden because of all the passing yards you're seeing. But they do a good job with it with a, a more of a gap scheme. So they're, when I say that, you're blocking down. You're a lot of double teams working inside footwork as opposed to zone scheme where you're working outside footwork. It's a lot less physical when you're zoning than it is when you're gapping. And um, and they come off and strike you now, and they'll get after it and run the ball, and then the quarterback knows when to use the RPOs to get the ball down the field. So I, I like what they do offensively. It's a little bit – it's not a little bit. It's very unique to what the Cages have seen to this point. And, um, but it, it's the same, it's a similar spread thing to what everybody's doing. They just take it to the passing part of it a lot different. And, Kevin, they're just – I mean, I, I hate to say it, they're not good on defense, though. They, they give up yards, and, and, and they struggle to get off blocks, and they miss tackles. And uh, what the Cages have been seeing, this, as you said, this, this, is, this is opposite. Okay, so but do you agree with me that this is a game the Cajuns really need to be played on a Saturday, not a Thursday? No doubt. No doubt. And for a couple reasons. Not just because of the scheme, but but I think that is a big part of it. I, I think that coming off of the Troy game, you hate to have a short week. Kev, yeah, that was physical out there now. Trainers on both sides of the football visited the field a lot. Yes. And they visited and take linemen off. Yes, you know, and, and, and and on both sides of the, on both teams and on both offensive and defensive lines, and so to to have a short week to recover from that type of game. Troy was another gap scheme team. They ran the power every way they could in different gaps of it, and they were going to come off and strike and double team and try and run the football. Uh, very physical they were on on their offensive line. So the Cajun defensive line, two weeks in a row, you're getting you're going to see a similar thing. But the other part of it, that's the physical part of it. the mental part of it is this is a passing game that that has some some scheme to it that you've got to be able to adjust to and adapt to. And and I, there's not a doubt they can do it. It's not like they run any any route concepts that they have not seen. It's just the whole package. Is a little bit different. You're going to have to have good eye discipline with it, and if you if they catch you cheating now, they're going to take advantage of it, and the quarterback can't do that. But the other part of it is is that you know, and I heard Coach Desmo's interview, and then um, I guess to the media on Monday, uh, being able to run the football and run the football early, I think is 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 important, uh, just because you can play defense with your offense if you can run the football, and. Uh, 
if you can but be physical enough on a Thursday. Yeah, if you can be fit. Yeah. yeah, you know, you mentioned and protected. They're they are second in the country in fewest sacks allowed. They've only given up three sacks all year long, which most of the teams the Cajuns have been playing have been where giving up a lot of sacks. Again, total opposite matchups. So, with that said, are the Cajuns really going to need to just be rushing three and dropping eight a lot? Do that a whole lot more than they've done, and 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 are they going to be good at that? Well, I think the thing that to realize is that it's not like it's a drop back passing game that you're having to deal with. It's everything is off of pre snap and and post snap reads to where it, it's you have a run attached to the the pass play. Now there are some predetermined throws, but the majority of their throws are not predetermined. Uh, they they are based off of a look that they get that they'll take the throw first if they can get it. If you show a light box just meaning that you're playing coverage. If you show you're playing coverage, they're going to run the football. I don't care what the down and distance. They're going to run the football if you don't show the ability to to have the numbers to play the run. Because if they get their numbers, they're going to take it in the run game. We've seen that in the past against for the Cajuns a couple of times during the year where you know they show a, a very light box on the third and long and the opponent will run it for 10 or 12. And so, but this team starts with that mentality. You know, they're, they're, it's it's not new math; it's old math. I mean, if you can count to six, if if you got six in the box and they got six to block, they're going to run it because then they got hat on hat with a ball carrier. If you have that seventh guy, that extra guy, which you know some people call him a hanger, is he playing more run than pass? Then then they may go to the throw part of it. And if he gets greedy, they'll keep an eye on him while they're saying hike. And if he comes down too quick and they've got somebody that can go where he vacated, they'll pull it out and throw it in too. So that's why I like it. It's not as simple as just, you know, play coverage. If you decide you're going to play coverage and show coverage, you're going to have to stop the run every down. Well, and so in other words, what I'm hearing and reading and hearing what you're saying, uh, if they don't get turnovers, they're a cook goose. I don't know. Am I oversimplifying this? But okay. (laughs) I mean, how how are they going to stop them consistently? Now, again, they've thrown and you can get them. The Cagers are one of the best interceptor teams in the in the in the country. They got fourteen, and Georgia Southern's thrown thirteen picks. So it's not like they won't throw it to the other team because they have. But if short of that. How how are they going to stop them? And add on the fact that this might be the best kicking team in the country. Like, they've made 13. They got two kickers in the NFL right now. They've made 13 out of 15 field goals. Their punter set an all-time school record with 45 yards a punt last year. He's averaging like 44-7 this year. Yeah, and, and look, they're 5-4. and four. You know, it's not like they're 9-0. and oh. They're 5-4. and four. South Alabama hung 30, 38 on them. Yeah, they're not playing know? any and, defense. That's exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and that was after you know they they had they being Georgia Southern had a fourteen point lead twice, twice, and and, and uh, you know couldn't hold on to it. But and that's the South Alabama team that struggled to move the football against just about everybody else they played. So you know there are going to be some opportunities in there offensively. They do do the thing that they then look. You can bait 
the quarterback into some throws, you can show something, and, and you've got to be able to disguise in the secondary what you're doing. If, if you just sit there and let him know, then it's going to be a chore. If you can show some kind of disguise to it, then he will throw it because he's going to throw it now. So um, there are going to be some opportunities for you to take advantage of that. And, look, you'll get a couple stops too. Uh, the guys at Georgia Southern that are playing in the NFL, they're not going to affect the game tonight. But the guys they have are good as far as the special teams. And, look, the Cajuns aren't going to beat anybody. We've seen that. They're not going to beat anybody if they don't maximize their opportunities to score. Um, and that's when, when you get it. And, and this is going to be one, Kev, that, that field goals, I don't know, is going to be enough. I mean, you're going to have to finish drives with, with touchdowns. Now, I'll say this as Gerald and Kevin just talking, and, and – um, you know, it could be you know a seven three game because heck, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I'll that's gonna shocked. happen. Yeah, I'd be, be that'd be astonishing. To be. I don't I don't know what the over under is, but I would say take the over. The only thing gonna keep the over from happening is it's a short week for both teams, and so they're they're coming off of a disappointing game, albeit at home, but it's still a disappointing game and having to travel. And then and the Cajuns are, are home last weekend, home this week, so they don't have to worry about the travel, but, but you know, they have to worry about the recovery part of it. And, look, both teams, if they want to play a 13th game, they have to win. I mean, both teams just have to win. And, and the reason why uh, would the Cajuns play Florida State next week, but Georgia Southern, the rest of their schedule, you know, they play Marshall, although it's at home, and they play App. But it's at home, so they, 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 you know, those are two challenging games. But at least they're at home. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, this is the one that if you look at, if you're a Georgia Southern fan, you look at it and say, look, I know it's a short weekend on the road, but the Cajuns are struggling. We got to get this one. Uh, because you don't want to hang it on having to beat Marshall or especially you know finishing the year and having to beat App to go to a bowl. But, look, I give them a lot of credit, Kev. The, the, the transition has been quick. Uh, you know, they've got I've, I've got my call sheet done and stuff, and I always like to highlight the number of, of transfers that, that people have and stuff. And they've got a number of transfers, but, but, you know, when I look at it, they're transfers from, like, Jacksonville University and Campbell and Elon and Buffalo and Mercer and Georgia Military and Air Force Academy and Monmouth. They're not. It's not like it's a bunch of SEC transfers. Now they yeah. got a couple of them. I just decided not to mention them. But you know they they've taken chances on smaller school guys and have put them in position to have a little success. And you know the other part of it is you, you got two sixth year guys playing tackle for you, a fifth year guy playing senior, and another. I mean playing center and another fifth year guy at, at, at guard. Now you do have a true freshman in there at the other guard. But but in the two deep in the offensive line, you've got four sixth-year guys and three fifth-year guys. It make it makes a difference, no question. It's, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, and uh, I just think it's they got to get turnovers and they, and like you said, they got to finish in the red zone to win this one. So we'll see what happens. I appreciate your time, sir. You bet. And happy birthday to Miss Hannah. Dude, take her out. Buy her something. Don't make her go to lunch by herself. I know you're cheap, Kev, but, but you know, do something to, to, to get rid of that. You know, I say it's all in, Hannah. I don't know why what we can do to make him change, but heck, his wife can't. Maybe you can. <laughs> Thanks so much, Gerald. Thanks, Gerald. We'll see you tonight. Bye, y'all. We'll be back on the game.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, you need to listen to some your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs. You need to check out the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live on lachristmaschannel.com or download the free app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You know, and to follow up on our conversation with Gerald about the matchup tonight, in addition to everything else, Georgia Southern is ranked fifth in the country in third down conversion. They convert basically right at 53% of their third downs. On the flip side, they're giving up over 47% on third down defensively and 62% on fourth down. So I wonder... There's a lot of reasons to want to make it happen. For one, you figure like you're going to have to score a lot of points to win this game. But two, it I wonder if the Cajuns will be a lot more aggressive on fourth down, although they've been somewhat aggressive this year at times, but even more aggressive than normal on fourth down. And to Gerald's point, maybe you don't kick a field goal because one, you don't even know if you can make it. Uh, you don't have much confidence that you can make it. But two, you really need to get more touchdowns, you're figuring, to win this game. It's kind of like, you know, playing. I'm not saying this team is like, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes. But, like, when you play a team like the Chiefs sometimes, you feel like, or like Buffalo, like you're when, when they're rolling, you're figuring, man, we got to score points. So we got to manage the game a little differently. And so it'll be interesting to see if Coach Dez does that tonight. Uh, no, really, on paper, it's a fascinating matchup. We'll see how it plays out. That's it for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome. Back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline, 706-0111, We've got, um, again, all, all the stuff we've been talking about, but also basketball. I just, uh, I'm not quite ready for basketball. At least the World Series is over. But we've got um, Cajun, LSU won last night over Missouri, Kansas City. Um, The Cajun men opened up a a Friday-Sunday tournament scenario in Asheville, North Carolina. They play Harvard tomorrow night, and then either Elon or East Tennessee State on sat on Sunday. So we'll see how the the Cajun men play. The women are playing Texas in Austin. Obviously, gonna you know, no one is expecting them to win that game, and it's going to be quite the challenge. I mean, they. They have a, you know, they they also on the schedule in the early part of the season, uh, you know, they play Texas Tech on the road. 
They play Colorado. They have Auburn later on. I mean, it's just a really tough pre-conference schedule. And if they get through it health-wise, I mean, might pay off in the long run for them, really. It might. So, um, but again, you got to get through it health-wise. And they've already had, you know, a really bad injury in that Brandy Williams for the second straight year. You know, she played, what, three or I think it was three games. I think it was in game four. It was at the beginning of the season. She got hurt last year, missed, you know, 90-something percent of the season and then is going to miss all of this season with another knee injury. And so injuries, you already, you could argue, not healthy. But, um, you know, you, you want to keep the rest of your players healthy and hopefully that will continue to you know to 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 happen from here on out they need that um it is a um it, it it's a challenging schedule but again we'll get to basketball hoping to to um we'll be talking to coach broadhead uh, you know a little more uh, you know, weekly as the season goes on. And then we are going to be t- plan on reconnecting with Coach Murphy to talk more about the Cajun men's basketball team. But, uh, one, you know, one, football is, you know, after tonight there's only two games left. And so, it, you know, we can kind of start to see the end of football season, at least the regular season. We'll see if the Cajuns can get wins uh, tonight and, and maybe in – in San Marcos in a couple of weeks and, and may have a bowl game. But if not, then it will end even quicker than, it, than it's ended recently. So we'll get to basketball is the point of all that. We'll get to basketball. Um, and it's uh, and there's even baseball this weekend. I, the Cajuns are playing LSU in a, in a fall scrimmage. So um, it's, you know, it's unbelievable how many things are actually going on. And, again, this weekend, it already started. They're playing right now. At the Cajun Dome, the state volleyball tournament is going on this weekend in Lafayette. Um, quarterfinals today, semifinals tomorrow, and the five division state finals on Saturday, all at the Cajun Dome. So, and again, we've got nine Acadiana area teams participating, and most of them are the usual. You know, volleyball powers in this area. St. Thomas More, Turlings, Westminster's having a, a great year. Uh, Ascension Episcopal is playing ESA um, tonight about 6.10 or 6 o'clock, somewhere right in there. And so in that quarterfinal. And then you've got Como, kind of a newcomer. They're having to play STM but uh, in the first round. And, but, but I mean, a, a nice job by Como to, to get back into the, the the state volleyball tournament. Catholic High of New Iberia is also qualified as a 10 seed, so a little bit of a of a Cinderella run for them. And so no, there's a lot of lot of good a lot of good volleyball gonna be played in the Cajun Dome and has already started. The first the first match was I think nine this morning, about an hour ago when we got on the air. So in other words, a lot of stuff going on. Uh no no question about that, including a football game tonight in town against the Cajuns on ESPN2. Uh, again, in the next segment, a couple segments, we'll be talking to Luke Johnson about the Saints and so many ways to, you know, questions. And I mean, 
I'm still trying to figure out what in the world are going to do at running back. I mean, Dwayne Washington. Now we hear they added another guy running back to the practice squad. But, what, you know, Jordan, they signed him, and he didn't play. I mean, it's just like, what are they doing at running? And then they didn't even run Batman. It's like, I just don't understand why the, it seems so important for them to turn Z28 into a dump truck. Like, they're just, they want him to be a dump truck so bad. Why? I just, why are they running him on third and one? I just, now if you're going to run a sweep, some sort of speed sweep kind of situation where I'll pitch it to him and you want him to run to the corner on that naked pitch, which they never run anymore. I love that play, and they never run it anymore, ever. Um, I mean, yeah, but if you're going to run right up the middle on 31, why are you run- Why are they so insistent on making that cat a dump truck? I just, I just don't get it. And again, you can say, well, that's because Dennis Allen's an idiot. No, they've been doing this for years. This is not a new thing. They've been misusing Batman for years. It's not just Pete Carmichael or Dennis Allen that are, they didn't use Batman properly last year. They've actually thrown him a couple times this year. At least they've done it some. They never did that before. And, you know, it's just it's just too spotty. It's not consistent enough. But this is the, so many of the issues that I'm complaining about with the Saints this year, it's, it's not, Oh, well, they did it right in the past and they're doing No, they're still doing it wrong. And some of it's been corrected. But so much of it, it has it. So many of these issues are issues they had last year and the year before, too. They just, you know, back those years, they just played a little defense. And this year, they say, you know, we just, we're just not going to play any defense whatsoever. That's our plan for this season. We're going to play no defense all season. Oh, that's an interesting plan. I, I, I Can I vote against that plan? Apparently not. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how bad this team is on defense. And I just – I'm going to ask Luke this. I just – it has to – there's got to be – and I can't explain it, but there has to be some disconnect between Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, and Dennis Allen, the defensive play caller slash head coach. I mean, and if it's not that, apparently Marcus May and Tyron Matthew are just awful. I mean, what other explanation is there than that? I I don't know. We'll, 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 We'll talk to Luke. I mean, it's just. Just, it's just mind-boggling that the defense can be this bad. And again, the offense has had issues at times. Uh, the offense is where the majority of the injuries have been won. Um, you know, you, you're still playing this limited backup quarterback. Now that I can maybe blame Dennis Allen a little bit. That I can maybe blame Cormichael a little bit. Again, I understand why he played some. He had to play, and I understand why they kept him longer than I wanted him to. But now we've reached a point where you just you, you they they have got to stop playing that guy. But I don't you know I don't know that they're ready to pull that trigger. Just awful, just awful. 
Again, got a few minutes left before we get to Luke, so if you would like to call in the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. Tomorrow we'll be talking a lot more. You know, Obviously, we'll be reviewing the Cajun game against Georgia Southern. But we'll be uh, we'll be talking a lot more, going over some of the matchups in high school football. We talked about it some yesterday. We talked about it a little bit on Monday, and we'll be doing a little more of that tomorrow. But uh, most of the rest of today's show will be about the way too complex issues around, surrounding the Saints. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. How's it going, Kevin? Oh, man, you know, it's up and down. Well, you know, just should we celebrate? Still celebrating your Astro, Kevin? Yeah, you can't I, wait. You can't. You can't let the uh, the bad way down the good, buddy. I'm trying. Yes, mind over matter. Kevin, you know where I think the, the Saints messed up this year? I think they messed up on the off season when they decided they had the best safety in their uh, the lock in the building, and they didn't pay him and went get a two of the older safeties, and they let the best one leave. Don't you think? You talking about Marcus Williams? No, uh, well, him too, but how about Chauncey uh, Johnson? Well, again, I, that was a messed up situation in that, you know, if you believe in it, again, I wasn't there, so I don't know, that he that he wasn't listening to the coaches, he didn't want to be there, he was, um, you know, just not even trying. I mean, I just, I, you know, w- when a player goes to that level, like, what do you do at that point? Well, but if they would have paid him, if they would have paid him for the jump, he wouldn't have had that attitude, don't you think? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm just saying, you know, you go get some old. I mean, come on, Tyron Matthews, you know, he is what he is. You know, I mean, he's older, and you know. But they don't play the same position, though. They don't. They don't play the same position. Well, I agree that, but though, well, they let the other one walk too. But I just think right there that was you. You had one of the better defenses in the NFL last year, and he was. He was a callous for that defense, and you let that go. It, yeah, you know, it's not good. No, there's no. And my num the number one thing that I was worried about with him is run defense, and their run defense has been awful this year. So I mean, I agree. I mean, it's not good. And they, we're talking about an organization that has always done well in the offseason and in the draft. The Saints have done remarkable things with uh, you know moving up and, and signing free agents. They always have. And uh, you gotta you gotta wonder because you didn't have the, you know uh, your task for the quitter there helping making those decisions if it affected some of the decisions. But anyhow, Kevin, look, my team's bad too, but it's so, uh, you know. But like like you are gonna do with the Astros, I'm I'm still I'm still uh, thinking about last year, and I'm not gonna let that go. Uh, that that's it. No, I mean, you know, you were going to have a medicine season, and you have, but you, you know, you just you take it for what it is, and try to make some decisions, and hope you can be back next year. That's it, buddy. You have yep. a go. Thank you. No, I mean, no. Look, FedEx man's right, and he's not the only one. A lot of guys are bit. You, you you can't let the Saints ruin your joy for winning the World Series, and I'm every day, every day I keep telling myself that, and and I've done better at it to be honest with you than. Uh, then I, then then maybe, I would at sometimes because, you know. Again, I, I think the only time the the real real big fight's gonna return is if Jameis comes back and he starts playing well. Other than that, I mean, it's just it looks like a hopeless situation. So, we'll we'll postpone that thought for a while. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back. 
dive headfirst into the Saints' miry clay with Luke Johnson next on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start-and-go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints, also known as Alvin Camara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We have with us Mr. Luke Johnson, who's going to have quite a challenge today. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great. I was hoping that uh, I was hoping that um, you know the the uh, Astros World Series thing would have uh, you know brightened your mood a little bit and not not made you worry too much about the Saints. But um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what, what happens. You know, next, it's uh, good, and, and I've been trying. Callers and family members and friends have been trying to take, just don't let the Saints ruin your joy for the Astros, and they're kind of separate. And and I'm trying to I'm trying my best, but no, the the, the Astros part is 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 helping me at least sleep at night when otherwise it would be rough. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear, man. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the really uncomfortable part. Um. And you say what you're going to say, and we can move on. Uh, guest, who's the only team in the entire NFL this year that has to play someone coming off a Monday night game who was on a bye week the week before? I'm going to say the New Orleans Saints because that's exactly what's happening right now. Um, yeah, I, look, it's bad. I think uh, the schedule this year has just been, just in general, a bad schedule for the Saints. You know, I, I think you've got a lot of instances like this. Maybe not where where other things are, where they're the only the only team in the NFL who has to do something, but you know, it's a lot of stuff. Uh, they're they're traveling for every holiday. Um, you know, they're playing playing this team coming off uh, you know coming off a bye, and they're playing them on a short week on the road. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. I think they had a like their their bye this year. The Saints bye comes after they play a Monday night game on the road. There's just like a lot of different things that really suck about the schedule, but not much you can do about it, you know? Well, maybe somebody can say the NFL is a bunch of cheaters instead of copping out the whole country and all everybody just cops out and says, well, it's just, it's just circumstance. It's just a computer. No, I don't buy any of that stuff. There's no way. And look, it's not just the Saints. I mean, it could have happened to the Lions or it could have happened to the Jaguars, but it ain't happening to the Steelers or the Cowboys or the Patriots. That ain't happening. Yeah, I guess I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna agree to disagree. I mean, why though? How? But how? But do you really think the NFL cares about being fair? Do you really think so? No, Ke- Kevin, I, I'm sorry, I lost you for a second. I said, do you, you really that? think the NFL cares? About being fair, see, because the problem is most of the country thinks this is just a, a happened a, a, a by chance computer thing. I don't believe that. There's no well, way this is not fixable. No, I mean I think it's fixable. I think it's it's uh, I, look. I don't think it's intentional. I don't think they're out trying to like screw the Saints here. Uh, but 
yeah, I do think you're right in that it's fixable. I, I don't think they should have this type of schedule. I, I don't. I don't think they should have you know, a lot of the stuff they have um, this season. A lot of the stuff that's that's unfair, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think that the NFL should be looking out for that stuff whenever they they have their their schedule in place. Right? They should be looking out for for teams that have to go play in a short week on the road against teams coming off by. Like that shouldn't happen. You know, I, and um, yeah, I think you're right in that in that instance. But I, I don't I don't think it's it's like this conspiracy to, to get the Saints. Uh, well, no, I, again, I don't think it just happens. It just happens to the Saints. But if it happened to a blue blood, they would fix it. Is my point. Anyway, okay, we'll move on. Um, the how in the world do you? I mean, what do you think the conversation was this week when the Saints' offensive coaches got together and 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 they should have realized it had and realized how little Batman was used in that game, son? I mean, Monday. Well, I mean, I I personally hope uh, they're having those types of conversations where where they're saying like, man, we were we were awful and you know, we take advantage of one of our best offensive playmakers. And when they did take advantage of him, he played pretty well, right? Uh, and you know, obviously there are games, and you know, this this is one of them where uh, you know you get into a big deficit. You like you can't you can't use the guy whose whose main contributions to the team are is as a runner. Right? That, that doesn't explain. Uh, his usage in the first three quarters and the early part of the fourth quarter, right? Um, yeah, I, I understand not using a late in the fourth quarter when you're trying to dig out a 15-point lead or whatever the piece might have been, but um, yeah, you should have a bigger role first three quarters. I, like, I, I don't think there's any coincidence between the fact that he has taken on a, a much larger percentage of the offensive workload in these last six weeks or whatever the case has been, and and offense has has played really well. I, I think he's a he's an important part of what they do. I don't think they can keep losing sight of that. Yet they keep doing it. So um, I hope they had a conversation this week and they were you know, slapping themselves in the forehead, being like, "How did we do this again?" Um, but yeah, I just don't have a ton of confidence in that this is not the first time this has happened this year. All right. So in your mind, from what everything you've heard and seen, and just a feel you get. If they continue to lose, are they going to keep starting Andy Dalton? Um, that's a really tough one, man. I feel like I feel like Dennis Allen has has kind of made his bed here. Um, you know, and I, I feel like he's he's really committed to sticking to Andy. Um, I think it has to be, you know, he would have to be like. Like they'd have to look really bad against Pittsburgh, I think. Um, you know, maybe, maybe one more week on top of that, it would have to look really bad against LA. Uh, but you know, every time we we ask him about it, um, and we have been asking him about it since he named Andy the starter, I think every week. You know, he's he's pretty much stayed in his corner, um, and you know, I, it, part of me respects Dennis for that. Um, but part of me also is just wondering whether he's just kind of boxed himself into a corner here. Because, um, look, I, I mean, I think regardless of, of what happens the rest of the season, even if, if James comes back in the lineup and plays really well, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll be surprised if, if yeah, they, they roll with him again next year. You know so so essentially, year. Luke, they essentially they sign him to a two-year contract that was really a one-year contract, right? I mean, so, like, there's no – Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The majority of – like, I think almost all of the guaranteed money is um, is in that first year. Uh, so – even if they even if they release him this off season, right? He's still going to count against the salary cap next year because of the way they uh, they structure their contract. But you know, all of all of the money that he's going to make in that contract, guarantee wise, um, is tied into the first year. So yeah, I, I mean, whether he plays for them or not next year, he's uh, you know he's, he's going to be costing the money, but it'll be less money if he's playing elsewhere. So, in other words, you still believe that they've already made up their mind about him, like that that they're they're yeah. just ready to move forward. Yes, and, and, and look, that is that is just me reading the tea leaves here, right? I, I haven't had anybody in the front office say like definitively, yes, we're done with Jameis. Um, but I, you know, I, I think it's it's pretty hard if you're Jameis Winston um, to look at the situation and feel like you, know, you have any sort of confidence from the front office that, that they think you're the guy. Um, after they essentially benched you for Andy Dalton, it, um, it, it, it's, so yeah, yeah I, I just I'm, I'm I'm pretty certain that that you know this is kind of the end of the road for Jameis. I, I don't I don't think that precludes them from playing him this season. Um, you know, if Andy struggles, I, I don't I don't see any anything that's telling me like he won't be back in the lineup. Um, but I, I just don't think yeah you know, I think that's kind of run its course. All right, so we, we, we hear about Jordan Howard, now Derek Gore, and I've been asking for about a year and a half, why do they not want running backs? And and, and, and this, I, I, Dwayne Washington, I just don't see how they see him as a, an, a viable option for a productive situation. So, I mean, it doesn't look like the running back thing is going to change, does it? I mean, they're just going to keep doing what they've done, which is not have a legitimate backup running back. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to change this season, um, you know, unless somebody gets, like, unexpectedly released, uh, which, you know, is, I guess, possible, um, not likely. So, yeah, I think the, the likeliest outcome is, you know, maybe they kind of keep reshuffling the bottom of the roster and see if something clicks. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not expecting any, any drastic changes. Um going to be the Alvin Kamara show and then they're just kind of hoping somebody else picks up a little bit of the little bit of weight that he doesn't and I, I think that's just kind of that's kind of what it is and, and I do agree with you though I think that's going to have to change next season I, I think a lot of us uh anticipated they would be uh you're giving Mark Ingram some competition for that number two uh this offseason and it just never materialized um and now they are you know they're down Two of the guys they probably would have wanted to keep, at least on the practice squad, um, since the start of the season, Tony Jones and, and Latavius Murray, and you know, they're basically just left with. It it it, it, it is crazy. Yeah, it's it, it it that part. I think again, I'm not as critical of the front office and Dennis Allen about a lot of decisions, but to me, the running back situation has been bought from the beginning. And really, it wasn't even this year; it was botched last year before even before it even got to training camp last year. I think they botched it from the beginning. But anyway, um, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and shift gears a little bit. A few, a lot more questions to ask Luke. We'll be back on the game. Kevin Foot. Real man. 
journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with, with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. A normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. Just out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Want to remind you before we get back to Luke to go join the Game Rewards Club today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you can win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester, $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, or $50 to have Shell Oyster House. Can't win any of the prizes if you don't go to the Game Clubhouse, so do it today. All right, Luke, so is there any chance? I mean, it seemed like in addition to all the losses that – they they were the more players were dropping like flies Monday like or how close to just a really critical being able to field a competitive football team are they injury wise right now? Uh, I mean you know fairly close, right? Uh, look, they they're they have been down starters at receiver, they've been down technically a starter at quarterback, um, but they obviously made that change afterwards. Um, they could be missing a couple offensive linemen. Um, yeah, they had the estimated injury report yesterday, uh, which you know, it was estimated because they did not practice, but there was no Andres Pete there. There was no Eric McCoy there. Um, that's a cause for concern. Marcus Davenport was injured again. Pete Werner was injured again. Who knows when Marshawn Lattimore is coming back. I mean, they're down like important starters at basically every position except for running back. Um, and running back there without Mark Ingram. So, uh, yeah, I mean they're they're in a pretty tough spot. You know, at least they have Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave still. Um, I think Cesar Ruiz stepped in and played pretty well at, at center. Um, but you know, there's a big drop off between Eric McCoy and Calvin Throckmorton. Um, yeah, they're in a tough spot. And, and, and look, I think the one that could hurt them the most is is Pete Warner. And not only because Warner is a pretty good player and he's having a really good season, but I just think there's a huge, huge drop off. Him and Caden Ellis, uh, in terms of, of coverage, um, Ellis is a pretty good Sam linebacker. But I, I think if you have him out there covering tight ends and running backs, you're just asking for uh, asking for some some potential explosive plays given up. Um, so yeah, I, I just they're, they're in a pretty that's pretty bad spot right now, man. Did 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 I see Zach Bond on the field playing defense the other night? Yeah, you did. I wanted to go back and look at it. I meant to, I meant to do it actually before coming on the show. I think that might have been his first defensive snaps all season. Um, I think he's only played special teams up to this point. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was him. And, uh, you know, I think probably the, the likely course of action if, if Pete Warner is not able to go is that, you know, Caden Ellis plays the linebacker spot and uh, in all of the – the sub defensive packages, which is what they, they spend the majority of their time in. And then Zach Bond comes in when they're playing in the base defense, which would mean Bond would be in there for, you know, 10 to 15 defensive snaps a game. So is it, I know it's the season's not totally over, but 
when you look at this defense, I mean, to me, the only possible explanation is, is there's there's some sort of disconnect between Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, and Dennis Allen, the defensive play caller slash head coach, and or Tyron Matthew and, you know, his compadre is just new, new, the two new safeties are just terrible. Like, what other explanation is it? Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's probably something to uh, you know Dennis having a lot more on his plate and um, and you know that affecting his ability as a defensive play caller um, because yeah, nothing else really changed on that defense outside of the safeties, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think that the problems have been have gone beyond the play of the safeties. I, I don't think they're getting enough pressure from the front four, and um, they're not stopping the run as well. And that's not that's not just on the safeties, even though they've they've played their part in it, right? Um, but that being said, I, I mean I, they definitely need to play better. Yeah, I, I think Marcus Day probably hasn't played a, a good game since week one, uh, or at least a game that stands out to me as a good game. Um, you know, I, I, the tyrant is not being utilized to to, the, to his strength, right? I, I think his strength is when he's kind of up at the box and, and kind of you know, moving all around the place like a, like a kind of movable chess piece. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Saints have been able to do that because of some of the injuries, but you know, at the same time, if, if they're just asking him to, to drop back there in, in center field and, and be, you know, one for one replacement for Marcus Williams, but I think they're they're not getting the most out of him, and I think that yeah, it's not his strength. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's the defense has been just a, a kind of a surprising mess this year. I thought they played fine last week, um, but you know, I, I mean, Lamar Jackson's like an incredible football player, but they were they were without like all of their best skill position players, and they still had receivers running open. I think a lot of that was um, you know, with communication problems and confusion on the defensive end and, and Baltimore kind of taking advantage of that. And they just, I mean, again, they just have zero idea what to do against a mobile quarterback. Just zero. Like, And it, it seemed like it would get better at some point, but it they always seem – and look, Kyler Murray had a few runs early, but late, he didn't really run that much after a few early runs. But it doesn't even matter how much they run because they are so. It seems like because they're so worried about the mobile quarterback, they can't defend anything else when they play a team with a mobile quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, and look, I, I know Lamar had a pretty big day running wise. I, I think they actually, I think the plan was okay against Lamar specifically. Um, he made a couple of just incredible plays right where like he should have been sacked like guys had him in their grasp and he got out of it somehow and that that's not that's not a scheme problem that's just you know a guy who's just an unbelievable football player making a play um but the problem i think is that when you add the running quarterback in the mix a guy like Kenyon drake can go off for like 95 rushing yards right or eno benjamin um or cordero patterson kill them in the first game it's like you know, Miles Sanders, the last two times they played Philly, has had huge games against them. And it's just like every other piece of their defense, even if they're actually doing a, a decent job stopping the quarterback himself from killing him over and over again, um, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're so worried about him that, the, that you know, James Prochet is getting wide open on third and eight 
you know, or or Kenyon Drake is having a huge game rushing against them. I, I just think that the problems go much, much deeper when they're facing that type of player because they're so, so concerned with stopping it. So, you know, in terms of this week, obviously the Steelers are not a great football team. They're going to be a very well-rested football team. And I think I heard they're like under Mike Tomlin, 11-4 and four or something coming off of buys, which is, you know, more 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 bad news. But, um I mean, is it, do they have enough healthy bodies to say what well, the key to the game is? I mean, is the key to the game any more than just they better be plus two or plus three or they're in trouble? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's that's it right there, right? You look at you look at some of the uh, when the Saints are playing well, right? When the Saints are playing well defensively, they are they are stopping the run and they are. Uh, getting after the quarterback, and that leads to a lot of other things going well for them, right? I think that that leads them to get more chances at forcing turnovers and all that other stuff. And the Steelers so far this year have been a terrible running football team. I think they're 27th or 28th in the NFL, just very un-Steelers-like. And uh, and since Kenny Pickett has taken over, he's been sacked 11 times in, in four games. And since he's been pressured so much, He's thrown eight picks already this season in, in like 160 pass attempts. So, yeah, I think there's there's a chance here for the for the defense to have a big bounce back game. Um, yeah, that said, I, you know, even though the the Steelers have been uh, really really struggling on defense this year, right, and all this is like adding up to the good news for the Saints. I think the Steelers, even though they had a bye last week, they still have allowed the most touchdown passes in the NFL this year. Um, wide receivers have been killing the Steelers this year. Like receivers themselves are averaging like 215 yards per game against them. All that stuff sounds good, and then you remember that they're getting T.J. Watt back, right? And he's like an absolute game wrecker um, out there. And you know, I, I think T.J. Watt is the kind of guy who can you know, blow up a drive with a sack on third down or force a pressure that leads to an interception. I think the Steelers, despite their their problems defensively, have been a pretty good uh, or a pretty opportunistic defense this year. So, you know, there's there's a path here where you can say, like, yes, the Saints should be the better team. They should win this game because, you know, their their potential strengths line up with the Steelers' weaknesses and, and all that stuff. Uh, and then there's there's also just there's stuff you see that you just really don't like. Um, well, so. and one of them is Andy Dalton's the quarterback, and it doesn't do any good to play against a weak passing defense if you can't stretch the field. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's a stretching the field problem. I, I think it's I think it's that that when Andy's Andy's been a good quarterback when they're able to get the ground game going, right? Because then the things that he excels at, um, they work really really well in tandem with a with a running game, right? He's a, he's a pretty good play action passer. Um, he doesn't take these unnecessary risks, and you know for the most part, he's he's been pretty good at avoiding sacks. But when you take when you take that run game away, like the Ravens did last week, and some of that stuff starts to go away, and the play action game becomes less effective. Um, you know, I, I think when when teams have been able to just isolate the passing offense and and focus on that and not worry about the run, they've they've been pretty effective rushing against the Saints offensive line. Um, and so some of the the things that Andy does well don't work nearly as well when when you're not playing good complementary offensive football. So I think that's the important part here. Like if if they can get the run game going again, um, the way they were not able to last week, 
then it opens things up and they can attack that that really poor passing uh, defense. But, but you they're also not, if they're not then then you know, the, the, his limitations show, and, and that's where that's where you know things have kind of hurt for the Saints' offenses here. But you also have to be able to pass protect long enough for him to throw it down the field, even if he can, even if you are running the ball. No, it's true. And you look at the – I think the Ravens had four sacks last week. I think three of them, they got to the quarterback in less than three seconds. Yes. So – and, and you know, it wasn't it wasn't like they were sending a bunch of blitzes. I went back and looked at it. I think, I think it was like six or seven of the 35 dropbacks the Saints had. They sent pressure, like five-man pressure. Now they were mixing things up. They were sending stunts. They're trying to confuse the Saints by, you know, mugging up the line of scrimmage with seven or eight defenders and then dropping four of them back and only rushing three or four. And there were times when you know, the Saints had five guys in blocking against a four-man rush and they left somebody completely unblocked in those cases. That's, that, those are the, the plays where Andy gets, you know, it's been sacked in less than three seconds and he doesn't even have a chance to hit a receiver downfield because they're still on their route. Um, but, you know, I, I think that stuff – becomes a little bit easier to handle when when you're you're running the ball the way the Saints were from week four to week nine or week eight, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I, I think they, they have to get that part going for Andy to be successful. Uh, and if they're not, I you know, I don't think I don't think it matters whether Andy or Jameis is back there if they're not running the football. They're a very limited offense. And with only one running back, uh you ha- if you're gonna run the football, seven has to be on the field. Agreed. Yeah, he needs a bigger role. No doubt in my mind about that. All right, sir. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much, and um, have a nice weekend. Yeah, yeah, we'll try. We'll try. It's going to be a little cold in Pittsburgh. We'll see if that actually forces the Saints to try to run the ball a little bit. That'd be good. That'd be good. Thank you. Yep, talk to you soon. Take care. Luke Johnson. I Look, I understand. Luke does not like going down that road. I get it. <sighs> just It just... The, the, it, you know, we've had this discussion over and over years and years for years. I, I just I just think neglect, there's a lot more guilt in neglect when it comes to the NFL than anybody's ever willing, I mean, to, to, um, to just admit and, and say, let's try to address it. Like, I mean, we're probably not even going to get an explanation for it. But, I mean... Again, there's a difference between, well, let's set out to do this. Well, this is it. Well, who cares? It's the Saints. I mean, you know, or who cares? It's the Lions. Who cares? It's Jacksonville or Seattle or some team that they just, they're not going to, they're not going to correct it because they don't care about fairness. It's been my point for 40 years. They just, if they cared about fairness, there would not be a 50 yard flag in the back in the back pocket of an official to me it's period end of story and I, I can't even get past that much less this schedule on fairness it's just ridiculous we'll take a timeout. we'll come back finish out today's show next on the game welcome back to footnotes kevin foot on the game all right before we get back to it, want to remind you, if you use your Alexa or Google Home speaker to help you out, controlling the lights and the thermostats and other things to make your life easier, you can also use it to help you enjoy the game by simply saying, the game, Southwest Louisiana, it's that easy. So do the smart thing 
and have the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles with you everywhere you go home office everywhere you go all right I'm you know I think it's possible when evaluating this Saints Steeler game I, I you know I, I think the Saints, with all the injuries they have, with the incredibly inconsistent play that they've had, and the NFL cheating them with the schedule, it is way too much for this team to handle. Now, on the flip side, they do kind of historically own the Steelers, which is good. Um, but I, I just don't know if that can trump all of that. The other thing, the other thing that's way, way, way in the back of my, our mind is, I think you could make an argument that the Ravens could have, you know, one loss or zero loss. In other words, the Ravens by the end of the year could just be this elite team that the Saints are just not good enough right now to beat. They're just not. And that the Steelers are not an elite team. But the problem is, if that's the case, well, then you really need to be playing the Ravens, who, by the way, oh, are off this week. What a concept. Monday night football off the next week, whereas the Saints are Monday night football playing a team who was off last week. A lot of fairness. But anyway... Um, then in other words, if you switch the two and you're playing the Ravens in the impossible situation, that's what you want because you're probably not going to beat them anyway if they're really just that much better, which they are right now. Uh, and and the Steelers, a team that you have a fighting chance to beat if all if everything's done fairly, and and you don't like you know if you can block someone and tackle someone and and it'd be just football, but you're probably not going to beat them because they have a super advantage in the preparation and the injury situation and being at home and all and scheduling wise. So you you know it's like you're a two-time loser, basically. Is 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 you know. So I, I do I think if all things are equal, they'd have a fighting chance of beating the Steelers. Yeah, but all things are not equal, so I just don't see it happen. I just, I mean, hopefully it does. It's not impossible. The Steelers are not good. But again, you play the Cardinals, who are not good. They get their best player back. And then you play the Steelers, who are not good, and they get their best player back. Saints ain't getting anybody back. And the NFL's cheating them on the schedule. Just so much fun. So much fun. Appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all try to have a nice day.